Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASE underscore Hokie Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces our guest. And Jeff, if you could DM our guest, Carlos, and let him know that he should click on the invitation, that'll be, uh, that'll be great. And I'll tell you here, man, this is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. I mean, we've got – Jeff, how many episodes are we at? What, what, what are you thinking we're at here now? We're, I know we're over four. Are we at 450? We're over 450 now, but yeah, I, I don't – we're at four sixty-one. Yeah, I was gonna say we're 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 we're, we're get we we gotta have a party on the five hundredth episode or something like that. We've got to have a. I think we we should have an in-person party on the five hundredth episode. We'll have to figure it. We'll have to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll have to figure that out. Uh, so, but as I said, this is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. And tonight we are going to preview 2023 Miami football with Carlos Pineda, but I don't see him. I don't see him here yet, Jeff. So we gotta we gotta make sure that he has that he clicks on the invitation or that he has it. So let me reach out and see if he's around. See if he's around here. All right, sounds good, Matthew. Uh, in the meantime, a uh, little quiet. Oh, there's Carlos right there. Uh, Carlos, I'm going, and I see you are ready as a speaker. So, Matthew, when you're ready, to go, I think Carlos is ready. Carlos, welcome, friend. You know, I've been meaning to ask you guys, where, where do you guys live? Because I've always wondered what, what part of the country, like up in the Northeast or, or Mid-Atlantic, do you guys live? I live in Alexandria, Virginia. I am a Virginia Tech alum. Jeff, tell tell Carlos where you live. Yeah, I live near Greenville, South Carolina, which is uh, the upstate of South Carolina. So I'm about uh, 35, 40 miles from Clemson. Okay, so I I, I knew I, I obviously knew Virginia Tech, so I figured Virginia. So interesting. That's really cool. I'm down here, uh, Pembroke Pines, which is uh, just a little bit north of Miami Dade County. So it's right there. Oh, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. But this you provided a, a great segue for us. I mean, you were once with SB Nation's Miami Hurricane site. Is that correct? I actually no. I um I have friends over there, but I do. Uh, I was always with the Southern Pigskin. Okay. So, yes, I remember yeah. Southern. I remember you Southern saying Southern Pigskin, but for some reason, did you ever do guest posts over there? I know, I know like some of my content, like video content would make it over there. So maybe Got that's it. what it okay, was. That's where it, that's it. That's what I understand. Okay. I, but yeah. I, Cause I know, I, I know I've seen your, I, I knew you were a pigskin, but I also remember seeing your, your stuff at, cause you got, you basically got around. Yeah. Like I, I'll see some of my YouTube videos, make it, you know, in, in, in some of the posts and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's where that went. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, that is really cool. So, what, you, you wrote about the ACC for Southern Pigskin, is that correct? And a, a, any other, any other, any other things that you wrote about for Southern Pigskin? 
Uh, I, I dabble a little bit in the SEC just because it's it's fascinating. I always found it fascinating how Atlanta was like the perfect spot for, uh, you know, all these alumni uh, that go to all these SEC and ACC schools and they all move there. And it's, it's, it's amazing that when you're at the airport, you see uh, everybody's represented in Atlanta, which is fascinating. You know, I was kind of surprised how many Virginia Tech alumni were down there, Carlos. I was actually extremely surprised because so many of them went to that. So many of them went to that Georgia Tech game. I was kind of, I was shocked. Oh my god, I, that, that was a fun rivalry. Like the first few years, man. Ooh, the Tech rivalry. But I was going to say, like, I remember staying uh, just north of Atlanta uh, with a buddy of mine. We were going to one of the Chick Fil A kickoff games, and every house on that street had a different flag banner for Florida, for Georgia, Georgia Tech, Alabama, Auburn. And it was just, I'm like, this is so unique because down here in South Florida, it's it's a pro market. So it's just different. And when you're in areas like that, you really see the passion and the love for college football. And it, it's just such a different animal. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I want to add to what Carlos was saying. I, I was in Atlanta this weekend um, for a, a family reunion, and and uh, these cousins of mine they they have a, a house on Lake Hardwell. So then you're going up and down those lakes too, and it's they got boat houses, and it's it's the same even even there. You'll see uh, roofs with with Georgia Tech on them. You'll see Georgia flags. You'll see Auburn flags. Uh, Florida flags. I mean, that Alabama is everywhere. You'll see a Clemson in there too. I mean, it, what you're saying, Carlos, is exactly what I see as well. Uh, I was going to say a few years ago, I wrote a story on the uh, just the crossroads of Atlanta being the epicenter of college football because uh, the smartest thing the SEC ever did was move their game from Birmingham to Atlanta to the Dome. You had a place that. Uh, you know, you didn't have to worry about the weather. Then the Peach Bowl did, you know, they moved in there too. And the smartest thing that the Peach Bowl folks did was uh, I, that I've noticed that other bowl games don't do is you kept it regional, ACC versus SEC. I've noticed a lot of time with some of these bowl games that came to Miami, you would pit, you know, the Big East. But like if a team from the Northeast came, you know, you're not going to get a huge draw because that's a long trip. But a game in Atlanta was always it just it fascinated me because they were always sold out because you knew the fan bases could drive. It was always within driving distance. And I recall one of the bowl games down here in Miami, you had Stanford and you had all these te- Colorado, all these teams from out west. And you're like, that's cool and all, but you know you're not going to draw because, you know, that's a cross-country trip. And with Atlanta, it was just – it amazed me that uh, they were able to get so much traction because it was – within driving distance to all these major schools. Yeah, just just at the family reunion, there, there were two Georgia Tech grads. There were a couple Clemson grads. There was a Georgia Georgia fan grad, a Purdue guy, an Auburn, an Auburn person there. I mean, this was just like a, about 20 people, and it was like that much of a cross-section of, oh, South Carolina. There were a couple South Carolina fans. It was like that many of a cross-section just out of like 20 people. You get so much representation, which is amazing. <laughs> that's that's just fascinating stuff. Carlos, let's give you something awesome to talk about, man, because you are a Miami guy. 
what a season for the Miami men's basketball team for 2022-2023. Give us your thoughts. Uh, it's it was surreal just because uh, you grow up in this area, and the two powerhouses for that school when it came to men's sports were always football and baseball, and basketball was an thought. Uh, they would play at the old Miami Arena. Uh, they would always come in dead last in the old Big East, and um, you know when Leonard Meyer came aboard, started a turnaround. They made some noise, but. Never in my wildest uh, imagination did I think that Miami would make it to a Final Four. You know, an Elite Eight here and there, sure. Sweet 16, it was becoming more common. But the fact that they made a Final Four, and I'd like to add, just the fact that FAU, Florida Atlantic University, just just a little bit up north in, in Boca Raton and Palm Beach, to make it in the same year as Miami, I, I just, you never would have thought that. It was, it's incredible to see. And uh, it was a run because people... Uh, actually, we're excited down here, and, and there was a buzz with, with the University of Miami basketball team. And, and for many, the joke was that Miami is a basketball school and not a football school. I mean, your coach, the coach there, has just done, I mean, has just an amazing, done an amazing job. Talk, I mean, and it's not just been this year. He's, he's, been, he's just been excellent at working the transfer a hundred percent. And even before that, I mean, I think it was, I want to say the second year at the program, they won the ACC regular season and tournament title. And that just would have never happened before. Uh, back in the days of Frank Haith, uh, they always finished, you know, seven and nine in the conference, middle to last in, in, in the league. And Jim Laranega, who had an incredible George Mason, all these uh, NCAA tournament appearance and a Final Four appearance uh, back in 06, I think, or 07, one of those years. Um, just that Miami was able to, to grab a coach like that, that nobody else at any point had tried to steal Jim Laranega away from George Mason. The fact that Miami was able to do that, it, it changed uh, the trajectory of the program because, like you said, it's not, the, it's not just this year. He's had a few uh, Sweet 16 appearances, uh, a couple of elite elite eight appearances now this final four uh he's transformed miami completely and and especially now with the transfer portal taking complete advantage because you saw a lot this past season a lot of those guys came from the transfer portal and they made a difference immediately definitely definitely great conversation there and great thoughts carlos jeff you're up let's take us to 2023 miami football all right, thanks, Matthew. Okay, Carlos, looking at the Miami football team for next year, let's start with what are some of the major strengths coming back. And uh, there's a pretty good defensive player on on that side of the football. I think you might mention. Uh, you know, you, you you hit it right uh, on on the head there. Uh, Miami returning uh, Cameron Kitchens, which is shocking to see that he's a. Uh, I think he's the first All-American at UM uh, since 06, the first returning All-American at the University of Miami since 06, which tells you uh, the program's been, you know, un underperforming all these years. But just the fact that you get a guy like that back, uh, you get a new defensive coordinator uh, at Miami now that Kevin Steele is gone and, and at Alabama. But just a, a bunch of good players uh, on this team uh, on the defensive side of the ball. The defensive line is probably one of your biggest strengths. Uh, a few guys from the transfer portal came in there. 
Uh, I know Leonard Taylor the third, Wesley Desanti was um, one of the big recruits that they were able to get. Uh, so I think that defense looks good. I think you have some question marks in the secondary. You, uh, you lost, you know, a few guys in DJ Ivy. So there might be some issues there, but the, the front four and the linebackers look pretty good for this defensive side. All right, let's go to the, the flip side here. What are going to be some of the major weaknesses on the Miami team? In other words, what do you think the Hurricanes would be working on in August before that first game? You know, what are the questions that you think have to be resolved? I think, um, well, sticking on the defensive side, uh, just, just replacing two cornerbacks. you got to replace Tyreek Stevenson. you got to replace DJ Ivey. Uh, that's a you know major issue when you've got uh, Miami playing, uh, you know, teams like North Carolina, Clemson, FSU that like to throw the ball, you know, Louisville. Uh, but offensively, I think one of the strengths is the offensive line. They've done uh, – Mario Cristobal entering his second season, they've done a really good job of strengthening up that offensive line, but can they remain healthy? If they can't remain healthy, because last year Zion Nelson was injured, he was never fully 100%, and you saw cracks in that offense. You saw cracks uh, in that offensive line. Tyler Van Dyke did not look comfortable, aside from the fact that he had a a coordinator that did not um, work to his strengths. If, If that offensive line is healthy, Miami's going to look good on offense this year because they were a disaster last year. They uh, averaged uh, a shade under 24-point game. That's not what you come to expect from Miami when you when you look at that aspect. Miami's historically known for putting up points. So that's definitely one of the drawbacks. So like, if Miami can stay healthy, they're going to look really good with, with Van Dyke under center, with a good offensive line. The key is, can they stay healthy? Because that that's a make or break for, for this team. All right. Um, who were some of the new recruits or players in the, in the the came from the transfer portal that you are impressed with the most? And are there any that you think could get major playing time right away? And before you answer right, this so we, question, Carlos, mm-hmm. too, I want to just add something really quickly. You've had incredible analysis so far, and we would love to have you come back during the season. Sorry, the floor is you. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say, um, speaking of that, uh, the, the problems in the secondary by losing you know, some of these talented players in Ivy Stevenson, you've got, um, I was going to say, a, a former five-star recruit uh, in, in uh, safety, James Williams. He's, he's going to be a huge addition to that team. Uh, if he can get acclimated, if he can get his reps, if he can stay stay focused, that's going to be huge a huge get for Miami to, to have him in the secondary. Uh, you have um, Leonard Taylor, defensive lineman again. He's going to be a, a big uh, help to uh, Cam Kitchens. Like if, if these guys come in, if they can uh, learn the system – because again, you're you're dealing with a new core. You're dealing with new coordinators on both sides of the ball. So if you can get into the system properly, like it's a lot of good things. Um, the linebackers, uh, Wesley Bisanti, uh, huge bright spot uh, for this team. Um, so it's just uh, how they get acclimated on both sides of the ball. Just because you know you have all these new systems coming into the into the game. 
All right, Carlos. Um, let's look at the schedule for Miami. What are the two most important, most pivotal games you think on Miami's schedule? And and give us your your analysis thoughts on those uh, games right now, looking at them for, during the summertime. And then give us what you think will, will be Miami's overall record. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to go with uh, just three, um, just because that first road game, a conference game against North Carolina is going to be big. Uh, it'll you'll have Georgia Tech at home the week before, uh, plus you know your non-conference schedule that includes A and M, Texas A and M. But that North Carolina road game, North Carolina has been a big game for Miami recently, uh, with uh, you know uh, Mac Brown and Manny Diaz before, but they've been a thorn in Miami's side. They've so I think that's huge just to see how well Miami has come into this new season, into the second year of the Cristobal era. Obviously, the next week, Clemson, they're still the top dog in the conference. I know uh, they've struggled, you know, the last couple years, uh, but Clemson's still, you know, they're, they're still the measuring stick in the conference. And you you saw last year Miami was still not close to being up to par to, to that level. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how they perform against Clemson at home in Miami uh, just to see how far along this team has come. And and obviously the biggest game being uh, Florida State on the road. That's your measuring stick every season. Your rival is your measuring stick. And we saw last year just how how broken this team was. Uh, I mean, 45-3 to three is just not something that you see uh, in this rivalry. You don't see those type of blowout games often. And it just happened to – we just happened to see it last year and just how much this team unraveled uh, with that game and, and a few others uh, towards the end of the season. And it, it was just ugly for Miami. Uh, he had a lot of injuries. I know uh, Tyler Van Dyke, just he could never get healthy again. And um, those are, to me, those are the, the – there's obviously two big ones there, but you, I add that North Carolina game just because it's an early test, first road test to see, you know, how far they've come in, in this, in this uh, second year of the Mario Cristobal era. Um, I'm interested to see how they do against North Carolina. Their quarterback, he's a stud. Uh, he's uh, maze just there's a lot of hype with him, and I just he could he you know if he has a good game, he could light up Miami's defense if they're not able to bring pressure. And same thing with Clemson, uh, new offensive coordinator. I mean, they had I think they had the best acquisition of any team in the offseason, uh, as far as assistant coaches comes because that a huge get for Dabo Sweeney, uh, especially after we saw how good TCU looked before the national championship game, because we just, we don't talk about that, I guess, because that was just bad. And um, again, it's it's interesting to see how they measure up against Clemson. And then obviously the rivalry game against Florida State. Uh, for a while, Miami looked dominant. Now FSU starting to look dominant. FSU, everybody's talking big things about uh, Norvell about this team, about Jordan Travis. It's just, it's just amazing. They're, they, they, the way things, the things that are being said about them, they look like a real contender this year. And you possibly have a Heisman Trophy finalist on that squad. So that's a huge mark for Miami to see where they stand uh, when that game comes in November in Tallahassee in front of a hostile Doe Campbell Stadium crowd. It should be looking good at that point. So 
you know, that's a huge, that's a huge test for, for Cristobal in year number two. Uh, as far as the schedule goes, I was, I was bad last year. <laughs> I remember, I think I picked Miami to, to lose to Virginia. Uh, and then you guys convinced me to pick them to win. So that was funny. Um, as far as the schedule, uh, Miami of Ohio first game should be a win. Uh, Texas A&M, uh, second game on the schedule, 3.30 kick on ABC. I think Miami should win that game. So you're 2-0 and heading to the third game, September 14th, which is a Thursday night game against Bethune-Cookman. That's a win. And then you round out the non-conference schedule at Temple on September 23rd. So you're looking at a 4-0 start, I believe. Uh, Georgia Tech, it's interesting just because they have a new head coach in Brent Key. Uh, so you got a first-year coach there. It's in Miami. That should favor the Hurricanes, but uh, I'll go with Miami there. So 5-0. and oh, I think North Carolina wins the next game. I think Clemson wins the next game. So you're looking at October 14th and the 21st. Uh, Miami is 5-2 and two at that point. I got to say Miami wins against Virginia. I know Virginia is always that uh, toss-up game and it, since they joined the ACC. It's hit or miss. So I think they win that one. And then uh, you hit November. You're at North Carolina State. I think you lose that one. I think you lose at FSU. Back-to-back road games. And then Louisville, I, that's a toss-up. I, I would go Miami. And then you end the season – Thanksgiving weekend at Boston College, so I at that point I think I give it to I give it to Miami on that one. So you, what's the record? We got one, two, three, four and zero, oh, uh, five and zero, oh, five and one, five and two, six and two, six and three, six and four. I'd say seven and five. At least right now we're looking at seven and five on the season. Okay, okay. All right, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple questions in the podcast. Carlos, you made news tonight, friend. (laughs) And we appreciate your honesty. I mean, honestly, Jeff and I appreciate it. We get the real stuff here on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. You, you, unlike probably many of your Canes fans, seem to have patience and realism realism in in your analytical... I, I would say in your analytical uh, thoughts that you provided us, your analysis, a lot of Canes fans probably, I'll be frank with you, will not be accepted. They will not accept seven and five. And then here brings the next question. What What do you think is the stat? What do you think the status of the program is? And what are the Canes fans thinking right now? Because this is a, I'm asking a probably a more difficult question here. This is a hometown, hometown guy that you have here. This is an alum. This is a player of the a player you know, from the university, this is a, a player that the fans loved and had high expectations of. And I appreciate, Jeff and I both appreciate, quite frankly, your analysis and your and, your, and the, the real take that you gave us. But this is, a, I guess I kind of given you a long, <laughs> a, long que- a long question here in scenario. What's everybody thinking after you? Oh, they'll probably think I'm crazy. You know, they'll, they'll uh, definitely... Not too happy about that. I'm sure the fans, the more realistic ones, might think maybe eight wins, uh, maybe nine if if something's bounced Miami's way. And the ones that, you know, always think that the championship is upon us will probably think they're going to win 10 or 11. So 
I think, you know, eight is, is realistic if, if you want to, if something can bounce in their way. But, hey, you're making a bowl game the second year. You missed one out last year. So I guess that's a step in the right direction. We really appreciate your analysis, Carlos. I, I am going to tell you, I think you're going to blow out Virginia. And I think it's not going to, honestly, I think it's not going to be close because I'm not – Jeff, it may be early here, but I, I have concerns about whether whether uh, whether Virginia has the right guy, and maybe I'm being overly critical. And I think you may blow. And in fact, Carlos, I think Miami may blow out Virginia. Whatever the over is, I'm taking it on that game. I want to make sure that you know that. That sounds, <laughs> noted. That sounds terrible of me to say, but. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how well. I'm not sure how well Virginia is recruiting. Am I being overly critical? No, I, I don't. I don't think so, Matthew. I have a lot of concerns about Virginia. Um, I think they'll be pretty decent on the defensive line, but there's not a lot of positions that you can have a lot of confidence in. And in Virginia, um, you know, if, if if Miami is right in that game, I, I would I expect it to be um, a blowout as well. On paper, it it feels like a blowout, but you know, you know, t uh, Virginia lost a lot of close games last year, um, so I, I don't know if they were quite as bad as as it it seemed, but. I, they go in with so many question marks. I, I'm not sure there's another team in the SEC with as many question marks as as they come into the season with. I think you can chalk up one pretty well for 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 a win there. I think you I think you have a better chance than you think at NC State. That's my personal opinion. I might go with eight and four on Miami and not necessarily seven and five. I think I think. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but I think NC State ha probably has more questions than they did last year. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I, I, I do coming into the season. I think they'll be really good defensively. But NC State, I think, and, and along with Miami, are the two biggest wild cards in the conference because they both have quarterbacks that two years ago, you know, looked like all, all ACC players um nc state when when brennan armstrong was at virginia and tyler van dyke and i mean if either one of those two looks like they did two years ago i mean these are teams you know that can win nine ten games i mean they're they absolute wild cards in my opinion and we know what they're capable of um when, when they get a little bit of help with that offensive line oh carlos mentioned that i mean you you get some protection under van dyke right scheme we know what he can do same with same with brendan armstrong at nc state i i look at those two as as the highest floor highest uh, uh highest floors and ceilings in the acc you, you just don't know what to expect in my opinion fair statement jeff fair statement carlos the floor is yours on the open mic oh man uh you know, it's, it's, it's an exciting time. You know, we're, we're on that cusp of uh, fall camp upon us. Uh, football season's just around the corner. Um, 
I do. I did notice something last year, last season, uh, during the bowl games and during the playoffs that just, I don't know, I think we need to stop doing, which, which is what these announcers are doing, which is being super critical of, of players that choose to transfer. Like, let them, you know, do what they need to do. I, 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 I kept noticing during the, the, the games, during the broadcast, they kept hyping up players that stayed with the program and that's wonderful. But why are we taking shots at, at kids that feel like they might have a better opportunity somewhere else? Um, I just find it, you know, really frustrating when you, you knock kids, young adults for making these decisions, but you don't knock a coach for telling, you know, team A, we're a family. And then, oh, no, no, I'm dipping. I'll see you guys later. I just had a better offer over here. Like, I, I don't understand that aspect of it. Like, we, we don't go after the coaches, but we'll we'll knock on the kids because they're, they're trying to make a better decision for themselves. Uh, that's just, you know, very hypocritical to me because a coach can recruit you and tell you, hey, I'm going to be here with you through the long haul. And then they're the ones that leave and, no, you know, nobody seems to uh, be critical of them for doing that and, and basically lying to, to kids to get them to, to play at their team before they end up going somewhere else. Very well said, Carlos. Very well said. I'm going to use my open mic for two real quick issues. Two real quick things I want to chat about. The first one, Carlos, come, please come on during the middle of the season. If you don't mind, we'd love to have you come back on the show again. That's our plug. Please come back on in the middle of the season. We'd love to get your, love to get your take on the podcast. For our, We do a weekly show during the season where we preview. We uh, review the prior week and we preview the upcoming week and we think you'd be an outstanding guest. So that's the first That's the first thing. The second thing is I am actually watching the CFL. I may be one of the few people uh, on Twitter that watches the CFL. And I am actually really enjoying it because I think it's better than the USFL and it's giving me something to watch that's football related until college football starts. And I, I have been enjoying I have been enjoying it. I've had a couple of friends from two different colleges that actually played on the offensive line for the Winnipeg Bombers. And I am enjoying I honestly am enjoying every second of it. And I know that sounds foolish, but I love it. So that is my open mic for the night. If you have an opportunity, watch that on uh, watch that on, C on CBS Sports Network if you get that channel. So that is my t that is my take. Jeff, you're up. Uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't have a, a, a microphone rant today, but next week is the ACC football kickoff. That's going to be a week from today. And, you know, I know sometimes, you know, on Twitter here, the, the ACC network gets criticism for uh, coverage of, of, of a particular game or event like oh that's why do we have a network if it's going to be like this well this is why you have an a network because it's going to be three days of the wall coverage from the acc network and and uh, i can't i can't wait for it because then for me that's really when the season kicks off you get the player interviews the the coaches interviews uh we talked about it on our last podcast we hope jim phillips uh, 
you know, says something of relevance when it comes to revenue. You know, we can talk about that forever. We just, we hope he's got a plan and he, he's got something positive and we hope it doesn't uh, disintegrate into what the spring meetings were, but I don't think it will. I think this is going to be a positive uh, event and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We know football season's right around the corner. Outstanding comments. Outstanding comments. Carlos, anything else before we go? I was just going to say, you know how to reach me. I would love to come back on during the season, and uh, it'll be fun. We would love to have you come back on, and you can guarantee you that we will reach out to have you come back on during this season. Thank you for joining us and previewing the 2023 Miami Hurricanes football team. I personally think you may, think you made news tonight. I'm going to tell everyone that you made news here tonight. <laughs> and, but well, also, you know. <laughs> also, the positive side, though, it was. It, I mean, it was good to hear you talk about Miami men's basketball, too, because that that's a bit that's a big deal. Oh, and real quick, uh, on Friday, Lionel Messi might play might play for Inter Miami. So, like, that's a huge thing as well because the most famous football. Play, soccer player in the world uh, is now in MLS, so it's it's, it's crazy time we live in. <laughs> isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? And he turned down a two hundred twenty million dollar deal to come to Miami, and I mean for obvious reasons, he was. You know, the schools are better than Miami, and the family situation is better in Miami, I think, for him there than it is in Saudi Arabia. But he turned down a boatload of cash to come to Miami. A hundred percent. It's uh, and and good for him. What's fascinating is. All the strings that all these different entities had to pull to get him. Inter Miami, Adidas, Apple TV, MLS. It's just, uh, it's incredible. Definitely, definitely. Well, Carlos, thanks again for joining us. And we guarantee you that we will ask you back. Have a great, have a great week, friend. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. Always a pleasure. Guys.